This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week Podcast. We're going to be talking about rich people today, one of my favourite subjects. There's not many people in Australia who know more about rich people than our guest today, John Stensholt. Welcome, John. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, now, you're here because this week you're unveiling quite a big project I'm guessing you've been working on for a while. Tell us, first of all, tell us what's your fancy title these days at The Australian? <laughs> I think they've made me the rich list editor or the list editor, I think, the, I think it is. So the, the list editor? It's a list with an S, which means I'll probably have to come up with more than one list eventually. So <laughs> we'll see how we go, but I've come up with the biggest one to start with. Okay, now you've you've been sort of teasing the uh, readers of The Australian this week with little snippets and some of the people who will be featured in this news list. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so we've, we've, um, we've recorded or we've gone and researched the top 250 uh, wealthiest people in the country and put out a, on Saturday, putting out a dedicated magazine uh, to that uh, with a whole bunch of features, probably more than a dozen features on the people really. So trying to make it bigger and better than anything else I've done before. And, uh, you know, with more names on it as well, people love reading about, uh, you know, uh, the rich around, whether they love them or hate them. So I figured why not give the public a bit more? Sure. Now, your background, now you came, you joined um, the Australian, I think it was probably mid last year, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I think it was about August by the time I I got here. I had a little bit of a break and uh, had a long notice period at my previous employer. (laughs) So yeah, uh, yeah, it was around August, and, uh, and look, we've been working on this for like, the last few months. Really, that's how long these things take. So, bravering away in the background while trying to write some other stories, uh, you know, as well. So yeah, it's all part of the fun. Now, I, I mentioned in the intro that you know quite a bit about rich people. Of course, you've worked on something not totally dissimilar before. I think were you the editor for a while of the BRW Rich List? Yeah, that's right. In fact, my history with BRW goes back to two thousand and one. Actually, it was late 2000, I think it was, when I joined the then magazine as a, as a cadet. So the first uh, Rich 200, uh, what the what BRW used to do, I worked on uh, as a trainee back in 2001. So there you go. That, that's how long my uh, experience in these matters goes back. Okay. The And can I, if you don't mind me asking, did the Australian obviously appreciate what you did there? Did they have an idea to maybe supercharge that area you work on when you joined, or is that something that sort of developed after you came across? Oh, that's certainly something that would have been part of discussions that I had, um, you know, when I was uh, when I was approached by the newspaper and uh, everyone, their management downwards has been extremely supportive of what I do. So, yeah, they're keen on this sort of space. It's a really interesting one for readers, for advertisers and all that sort of thing. So... That's the idea behind it, absolutely. Yeah, because there's there's within the, the News Corp tentacles worldwide, they do some other stuff, don't they? So I think is it the Sunday Times has quite a famous um, list of, of rich people in the UK. Yeah, that's right. That's been going for a long time now. It is a huge um, flagship for them. I think you find it. It'll be out pretty soon. It's usually April when it comes out. Okay. Uh, they do a thousand names, so that's uh, <laughs> that, that blows me out of the water. <laughs> um, but uh, I think I think you'll find they spend uh, probably a lot of the year working on it, and they do it a little bit differently too. They have a lot of uh, people from overseas that are on that list. If you think about London in particular, it's melting pot, isn't it? I mean, there's so many entrepreneurs, business people, you know, Russian oligarchs or whatever you, whatever you want to say that, that uh, descend on London or own property there. So they'll all, they'll all be on that Sunday Times rich list too. They're probably on they're clearly a population like that. They've got a lot more people to choose from too. Sure. Now tell me, now you mentioned you were back at um, 
at BRW back in, in 2001. Can you remember back then what sort of wealth you needed to make that 200 list? Oh, boy, that's a good question. I mean, uh, Kerry Packard then would have been number one on the list and uh, maybe measure it differently in terms of how many billionaires we had. We, we maybe only would have had, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe a dozen, 20 billionaires, maybe, maybe even less than that. Uh, so that's uh, that's maybe one way of putting it. I'm just trying to think, uh, you, you know, the bottom of the list to get on it was probably somewhere between, you know, 50 to 80 million. I remember 80 million being a figure, uh, you know, for entry one year, pretty early on. So that shows you how things have exploded since then. And really, you know, you, you think about the 2000s. We just come through a um, the collapse, actually, of the first dot com boom. So that, that, but that people have still been become pretty wealthy from that. And then from 2001 onwards, really, you had that ramp up of financial services and property, uh, all leading up to the GFC in 2008. Actually, so yeah, there was a lot of wealth that was created back then. Uh, but really. I guess really probably in the last ten years, it's it's gone it's gone a long way ever since. You know that regard, it's really exploded again. Yes, yeah. Now you you mentioned yeah maybe a handful, maybe ten or twenty billionaires. You know, nearly twenty years ago, I was staggered to read that there's actually ninety six billionaires on your list. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I've uh, I've dug pretty deeply, far and wide on these sort of things. I was hoping to get it to a hundred, but didn't quite. <laughs> Didn't quite get that far. Would have well, you never rang me, mate. Bad, so. You didn't call. No, I know. <laughs> There's probably, there'll be a couple of billionaires hiding out there that are a bit, bit upset about it or something, <laughs> or maybe relieved or, uh, uh, look, tried to get to, to get there pretty close to that. I thought, I mean, the way the research was going and uh, and doing it, I thought that'd be fantastic. But look, 96 just shows you, and, and such a diverse range of industries too, I mean, property, technology, you know, financial services, all sorts of things. So that, I guess that shows you, it's a good snapshot of where of where the business or the economy in Australia is at. I think so. It's pretty healthy at the moment, despite you know the property market wobbling a little bit lately. Yeah, the um, I think twenty seven women on the list is that right? Which I guess is a big step forward from you know maybe a decade or longer ago. But it also tells you we've still got a fair way to go to share the wealth. Yeah, it does feel that the, the number of women in this regard is stuck around that ten percent mark at okay. least. Uh, you know, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, and there is husband and wives that, that, that are on the list, so they make their wealth together. So it, it, it really does tell that story of how hard it is for women, I think, to, to break through that glass ceiling still in corporate Australia, be it, you know, uh, be it working through the, the corporate ranks or also in terms of raising money from venture capital when they've got their own, fun, you know, their own um, funds, uh, sorry, their own firms. Uh, in that regard, I mean, there's there's all sorts of studies out there that are showing that you know, in technology or other uh, startups, that the the women who are entrepreneurs who helm these companies up do have actually find it harder to raise money than than men do. So it it shows the uh, fantastic success of corporate Australia. But I think in this regard, it really does show the the real problems that it still has too. Uh, there's still a female problem, no doubt. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the format of how you're publishing on Saturday. Now it's a it's a mag it's a it's a freestanding magazine. Is it gloss or sort of newsprint? Yeah, absolutely. No, we've got a nice glossy cover. It, it looks really really good. Uh, the photography through it's amazing. It's a dedicated eighty four page magazine. So it's probably the, the biggest we can do in terms of getting away with um, you know getting it distributed through the newspaper and so on. But that's uh, you know the week in Australia such a widely read uh, publication in this day and age so it's a, I think it's an ideal platform to get it out there 
and obviously online as well. We've really, uh, you know, really uh, put a lot of effort into into a dedicated website and you know, the treatment of the list on it and how it looks. It really looks really good. I'm I'm, I'm so happy with how it's gone and, um, and the support that I've had here from uh, from everyone here at the Australian. It's been really really good. Tell me, is there? Is, do you have a sort of a sponsor or a, or a partner, a commercial partner on the project? No, we've got a lot of advertising through it. Though. I mean, something like this is always appeals to the, uh, you know, to the uh, what are we sort of saying? Prestige brands really aren't they? You, know, yeah. you think about the fancy watches or the corporate jets or the suits and all that sort of thing. Those are the the brands that you'll always find in a publication like this. And yeah, we've had some really good support from those as well. So hopefully it's a you know, bigger and better as time goes on. I think in any, any part of the media, I always want to see more advertising. But, uh, you know, the journalism is such an important part of that, clearly, uh, that mixture. And uh, I think that's where this stands head and shoulders above uh, anything else that's been, doing, been done out there. When you look at the list and you spend a lot of time researching these people, probably talking to the ones that will answer your calls, is, <laughs> is it... Um, is it mainly property or tech if you want some serious wealth these days? Yeah, property underpins a lot of it. So property is the biggest industry on the list. And then you know, as you go through it, a lot of people are investment. Retail is still quite quite, uh, okay. quite an important part of it too. But some of that's online retail these days, you know, technology, mining. I mean, those traditional industries are still you know, a very big part of Australian wealth. It's, it's a little bit different to... Uh, I guess the, well, the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange, where you, know, you think all the biggest companies around the world are a lot of tech companies. It's not quite the case here in Australia just yet. Maybe we lag behind the rest of the world, but you know, notwithstanding that, I mean, we have an amazing success story in Atlassian. Mike Cannon Brooks and Scott Farquhar have built you know, a, a unicorn uh, firm, as they call them, uh, worth a billion dollars or more. But they've just gone, you know, they've taken that. 25 times bigger uh, once they once they reached that level a few years ago. So they they are genuinely world class and they are very very high up on this list as well. So it shows you that technology can get there, but at the moment, yeah, property still a big part. Mining, investment, retail too. You mentioned the guys from Atlassian there. They were they were sort of pretty much unknowns until I don't know a few years ago. Then they. Then people seem, when they get to, I don't know, a level of wealth or a level of security about what they're doing, they become a bit more comfortable with the public persona. Is, is that right? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, you, I think, I think with those, particularly, particularly Cannon Brooks in particular, he's been very happy to be, uh, you know, leading uh, debates about, you know, energy, uh, you know, be it, uh, you know, uh, alternative uh, types of energies. They also. Uh, in terms of their investments, they make some very interesting, uh, you know, counter-cyclical investments or, or you know, not just investing in, in property. They, they do own uh, $100 million and $71 million houses, uh, respectively, without mortgages, by the way. And But, you know, <laughs> uh, Mike has, has put his money into some really interesting alternative investments, you know, be it in food, science, be it in technology, be it in energy. And he's one that's been very, very, uh, you know, also quite uh, autonomous cars as well uh so yeah it's it's quite fascinating but he's also prepared to you know talk about these things publicly and and almost lift a little little bit on what you know his way of thinking uh look some of it probably is a little branding i mean you know a guy who's worth nine billion dollars or more could probably afford to uh to wear a suit rather than a t-shirt and a trucker's cap <laughs> but <laughs> you know that's part of the brand and uh but he also you know lives and plays it to a little bit too i reckon yeah is there 
are there people too? I guess there's, as, I guess there's people who want to have nothing to do with what you're doing and and shut you down completely. But then, are there people who would like to have people think they have nothing to do with it, but are happy to chat off the record and make sure the facts are right? Oh, that's the, that, that second category is by far the majority of the list. I mean, okay. clearly there's people that, uh, you know, will, will post for photos and we can write features on them, that sort of thing. So there's those, they, you know, that's publicly, uh, you know, do what they do. But uh, I reckon probably, oh, look, 80, 85% of the list do engage with us confidentially. Uh, you know, they talk to researchers, they talk to me about their wealth, about the numbers that will publish. Uh, most of them won't admit it publicly, as you say. In fact, I've, you know, previously, I've, I've, and you'll, you might see that in the next few weeks, people will, you know, almost uh, saying that they're a bit, uh, bit upset about being on the list. And I'll think to myself, well, I spoke to you three or four weeks ago about your number, and you told me X, Y, and Z. But yeah, that's part of the relationship we have with people on sure. the list, the, the wealthier lead around Australia. We are very confidential about the discussions we have, but yeah, you, you wouldn't believe some of the information that I get. They're very, very forthcoming with it. I think it's a measurement of their success that so they have, a little bit of a scorecard, like a sports person would have. Okay. And they, you know, they, they know it's coming and uh, they're willing to talk. But um, the, the tax office, would they take much of an interest in this, do you think? And, and did they in the past with what you were doing? Oh, I think you're... <laughs> there's always a great uh, story about, uh, you know, crates of... Um, of copies of of, um, of lists being delivered to the ATO, <laughs> no doubt at all that uh, it'll be similar. Hopefully, they buy lots, right? So, yes. But it's also a common refrain for people on the list. Oh, now you've put me on it. The tax office will call me, won't they? And yes, they do. But uh, you know, I guess I figure that if you're uh, wealthy enough, you should uh, you should be able to pay for an account to deal with that sort of stuff too. And maybe uh, you shouldn't be hiding things from the tax office uh, if you're not hiding them from us. So, all <laughs> uh, part of the fun, really. Okay. Now tell me, John, if, so, I mean, a lot of this stuff's hard to track down, but if you know where to look, is, is it sometimes sometimes surprising what's actually out there sort of on the record, it, again, if you know where to track it down? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's quite it's quite interesting what the information that you can get in the public sphere. I mean, some of it you've got to pay for in terms of company records and property filings and all that sort of stuff, and we have to have to build that cost into what we do. But yeah, there is so much information out there: financial reports, the cost of uh, houses that were built, uh, you know, the people that paid money for, uh, even the refurbishments that they do can run into the millions of dollars. There is a lot of information. So, I mean, if you think about what, you know, what people's uh, wealth is, it, it really comes down to a few different categories. And, yeah, absolutely, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I've managed to hone my skills in finding this information over a long time. I was very, very happy with yeah, particularly building a list from scratch that I was able to find so much new information that I didn't know about previously. I probably redoubled my efforts over this to really, you know, ensure that this list is the, the best that I've ever done. I think it is. And uh, there has been so much information that I've found as a result of my efforts. It's been fantastic. Yeah, I don't want you to dob yourself in here, mate. But <laughs> if if are there things you've dug up and thought, oh, gee, maybe maybe he should have got a run in my former job. But if if I'd been able to find that out, <laughs> well, I mean, it's such a big job, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's always good to find new things every year. So yeah, I mean, sometimes you run out of time on these things, but also. I mean, the challenge of, of, find, of putting together a new thing and a bigger thing was to find new things anyway. And I don't want to say uh, you know, that you just sort of do the same thing every year in, in, in previous roles, but, I mean, you have a basis there to build off here. I've uh, created an absolutely new thing from scratch and, uh, 
and really, really dug deep to find a lot of new names. Some that I'd suspected there was information about, and I think there's been some law changes as well that have you know, compelled some people to, to file financial reports to ASIC uh, that haven't done so previously. So that there has been fresh information anyway in that regard, and I've managed to find it. But yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to dig deeper, and you've got to go below you know previous bars, I suppose, to find new people, and uh, you know that's part of the fun, really. John, tell me, so do you feel like you've scaled a bit of a mountain getting this first one out, which presumably is going to make it a, quite a bit easier to work on subsequent editions? Yeah, it gives you a base to build off at the very least. Mm. So, it, yeah, absolutely. Look, yeah, no, you always get a degree of satisfaction with putting out a, a, a big publication like this, and particularly as you work away in the background for so long. Maybe people start thinking, geez, what, what's he doing, given <laughs> his, his name's not in the paper much lately? Well, <laughs> and you can finally say, "Well, here we are." So, yeah, you do that. Look, it's 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 very satisfying. It's uh, it's it's a lot of work, and I um, I definitely need a holiday after it. No doubt about it. Yeah, I guess there's some sort of um, sort of highlights as when someone finally returns a call and just unloads a lot of information that that you know that you know is accurate and you can put straight in. So tell me about that, but also are there moments that are really frustrating and you question about, oh, why did I start this anyway? <laughs> there's always some people that you that you know really should be on the list. And I, I could probably, oh, there's probably a couple this year that really, really frustrated me. And you think, I know you should be on this list. I can't quite <laughs> prove it with the right. documents that I've got, but, and I haven't been able to manage to get to get you to admit it. <laughs> so we're playing a bit of a game of cat and mouse, of cat and mouse here. And I'm probably going to have to give up because my deadline's looming. <laughs> but I'm going to come back to this next year for sure. So okay. and hopefully I'll find something fresh. So there's always a couple like that. I mean, what can you do, right? There's, you can only do it. Well, I'm very meticulous in terms of running numbers past people. You always have to do that, and if, you know, and having as much evidence as possible too. And you know, look, oh, markets will move, and you know, assets will go up. And I just think that, well, okay, that person that might have been below the bar this year uh, is going to be on it next year. Uh, so that will happen too. And, yeah, conversely, I mean, you know, I've been to all sorts of places and spoken to people um, for a lot of features in this list. And that's that's been the really good part, just to, you know, get get out and about and, and talk to a lot of people and really get some fantastic, interesting stories rather than I've written or the other journalists that have worked on this edition have too. Have the sort of resources of News Corp been beneficial? I mean, you think of some of the, at least the, just starting with the team of uh, reporters, I guess, at The Australian, someone like Damon Kitney has got some great contacts, hasn't he? Has is, is, is being able to sort of draw on expertise like that helped you? Yeah, Damon's a fantastic support. He, you know, he's been, we've been rivals previously, I guess, <laughs> in that regard. Uh, it's fantastic to, uh, to work with him again. I mean, we go back a long way back when we were both you know, previous employers, Look, you have people like Will Glasgow and Christine Lacey who do margin call, the margin call column every day, who really cover a lot of people uh, that I write about through mm-hmm. that column. So it's been great to you know get their help and assistance as well. Look, everyone from Nicholas Gray, the CEO of the Australian, John Lehman, Chris Dore down, have been an amazing uh, support for this. I mean, they, you know, everyone's been really invested in the project. David Maher, who edits Wish magazine, uh, you know, helped put the edition together too. There's just such an amazing. A uh, bunch of people, uh, journalists, editors, you know, financial people, uh, and other bosses here at the Australian that have uh, you know, really bought into the project, and and I guess this is the the fruits of all our labour, really. It's it comes out at a pretty big week for the Australian, isn't it? Because they've uh, debuted a new website, 
There's a, I believe there's a new app that's uh, come out as well. So there's a lot going on. So I, I guess this is one of the showcases for all their, their new assets. Yeah, we knew this was coming around the same time that the new website would be coming up. And this year, you're right, it's such a big, big time anyway, isn't it? I mean, you've got the, uh, you know, the, the federal political scene mm. being so huge. We've got budget uh, next week as well. There's an election not too far away. So, look, business is very, very important to the newspaper, clearly. But it's also got that political angle to it too. So you've almost got the best of both worlds, I think, in that regard. So you've got really, really strong people uh, across all those gamuts. And, yeah, I think, you know, been really successful in a subscriber model and, and hopefully something like this really helps too. I'm chatting to you before the actual magazine's published and we'll put this out when it's available. I, I don't want, I want to save some spoilers for myself as well, but tell me who's the sort of, who's a runaway this year who, who maybe on previous rich lists wasn't actually near the top, but they've, they've really made a mark and, and, and dashed up the chart. Oh, well, that's a, that's a, I'm just trying to think. I mean, there's someone like a Jerry Schwartz, I think, who we had okay. a, we actually had a, we had a... Uh, Profiled him on Monday this yeah, week, I think. exactly. Yeah. We had a bit of a teaser story, I suppose. We run it, we, we put out a, you know, a whole bunch of preview stories to sort of get some excitement going in the week. And he's someone, I mean, he's a amazing Sydney property developer, such an amazing character as well. I mean, this is a guy we managed to convince, you know, on his full tuxedo and then get into his <laughs> 25-metre pool that sits next to Sydney Harbour. I mean, those stories like that I really love because not only are they interesting people, I mean, they're characters in their own regard. They're successful, they've got quirks, and they're up for, they're up for, they're up for things. So, I mean, also getting the opportunity to sit down and have a really long conversation with Bruce Matheson, who's a billionaire, um, you know, billionaire pokies king and pub mogul. I mean, I went up to... Uh, I went up to the Gold Coast and sat with him at his uh, looking out in the surf there at Mermaid Beach and, at his mansion. And uh, look, he's just so candid. And uh, he's a tough guy. And he took a few hours to uh, to warm up and agree to talk to me. I feel I thought of that way, that he already agreed anyway. But here I am, we've flown up for the day. Uh, but look, he was just so really interesting and engaging. So he's got such an amazing story, literally coming from nothing to, to building this amazing uh, business that he has. So you get those sort of stories, you know. I love those rags to riches stories and people are still humble about their wealth as well. There's a lot of people on that list that are like that. And, uh, you know, if there's other, one other skill I have in life is to convincing uh, billionaires to do some amazing photos and the, the, <laughs> the edition uh, is full of that. And that's a tribute to Nick Walker who's taken some of the brilliant photos in this too. So that's the thing. I mean, you get amazing stories, amazing photos, and hopefully it all comes together in a really interesting publication all around. Yeah, look, no, it sounds fantastic. Look, mate, I'll let you go in a second. There's just a couple of last things I, I want to run by you. I, I guess I, we don't want this to be too successful, though, do we? Because Chris Dore or the editor will call you into his office and go smack you on the back. Look, great job, John. How about 500 next year? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, you got to keep you got to keep going. I mean, keep raising the bar. Maybe that's not a bad, bad idea. Yeah, there's plenty of people out there. I've still got to find that. That's that. I guess that's the. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's an investigative journalism thing in that mm. way, isn't it? Trying to find more names. So no, I enjoy that part. Yeah. And finally, before I let you go, I want to talk to you a little bit about sport. Now, you did some great work covering this sort of sports business during your years at the uh, Fin Review. You've done a bit of that now, but I guess you've really been focused on this list to do too much about it. Now, you wrote a book about the A-League as well, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I did, yes. A few years ago. No, sports business is, uh, is, I guess, guess my other other, uh, 
little niche that I've carved out, and I definitely want to do a bit more of that here. You're right. I mean, the list has taken my attention a bit, but I've chipped away on some stories, you know, in recent times, and also particularly before Christmas when I had a bit more time. And, yeah, as the season goes on and in all the winter codes, uh, there'll be some broadcast deals around that I can sniff out too. So, yeah, I really enjoy that part. And the beauty of being at the Australian is that there's a sports section and a business section. So one way or the other, hopefully they'll run my stories. Do you keep much of an eye on what's happening at the A-League these days? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, yeah, the crossover there is fascinating because you've got a sport that's you know, a good product that's on the field at the moment, really. I'm a soccer fan. I, I, you know, I really, really enjoy the sport. Played it for a long time, too. But you've also got all the off-field stuff that's going on, and that's where the business part comes in. So you've got... You know, all these billionaires or, you know, very wealthy people who own the clubs. You had Frank Lowy and his son Stephen Lowy that were there at FFA for a long time as well. So you really, you've got the sport and you've got what's happening off the field. And that's why, that's why it creates the business of sport. So, yeah, keeping a very close eye on things. There's a lot to come in that. I'll hopefully be writing a bit more on that as the year goes on. Do you think it's a long-term survivor? Cause it's, and tell me this, why are there so many A-League haters? Especially on socials, you'd, you'd, you'd come across them. I yeah, guess. oh, absolutely, all the time. Look, it's all, it really, if you, if you think about it, it all comes down to a grab for power. And I think soccer um, officials and fans have been quite silly in trying to talk down the product mm. in an effort to, to blast the lollies out of FFA. Now, whether or not the lollies stay too long in charge, I, I think they probably did, if you ask me. But then the other the other time, um, the the game has never been so high under their leadership as well. So really, it was a concerted effort by the clubs and some fans too, I think, to really you know talk down the the, the sport in an effort to to uh, get the lowies out of the code, get the clubs in control because the clubs say they can do a better job at it, and um, you know hopefully things will be bad will be better from there. But the problem is with that is that you spend a couple of years you know infighting, then it turns a lot of people off, and I think that's a I think that's a root cause of a lot of the problems at the moment. They really need to be a lot more positive about the code, about the sport, about the good things about it. I, don't, I never read much about what the good things about it that's going on, but there's a lot of discussion about the bad. I mean, it's it's very strange in that way. I mean, you don't see that in other sports. Every sport's got their good and bad things, but you tend to soccer people tend to concentrate on what's what's wrong with it rather than what's right with it. I think. Yeah, and I and I always think um, if the the administrators should sort of maybe accept their role as the <laughs> the third tier of football or the fourth tier maybe even, um, and and not try and big note themselves sometimes, which really does seem to wrong up rub up the um, the lovers of other um, other leagues the wrong way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think you're right, particularly on social media too. You have yeah. some administrators that tend, you know, tend to sort of say a lot of things and they all sort of tend to contradict each other after all. It's it's quite odd in that regard. You never see um, Gil McLaughlin or Richard Goiter or anyone like that from the AFL uh, on social media, although I guess Peter Beatty was from the NRL and, uh, <laughs> well, look what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't go well, did it? No. No. All right, great stuff. Look, great talking to you, John. Um, thanks for your time today. Good luck with the list. Um, I think it'll create a, a massive talking point and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it uh, boosts the uh, circulation of the weekend paper quite a bit too. Oh, thanks, James. I hope it does. I'll keep me in a job for a bit longer. <laughs> All righty, John Stensholt from The List. Many thanks. All the best.